Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. Wave of evictions on the way as federal relief stalls. Now, as the economy continues to experience the harsh consequences of the pandemic, several federally funded programs and organizations are providing reduced or even no assistance at all as the federal budget continues to get reworked. Early on in the pandemic, many federal relief bills were proposed in order to provide stability to the working class that faced temporary unemployment. Now, a working bill to provide relief for renters and tenants is now stalled, and a wave of evictions is likely to result. Now, in July, the Census Bureau reported that 25 million people indicated that they had little confidence that they would be able to pay the rent in the next month. In addition, nearly 30 million people reported that they did not have enough to eat. Currently, the federal funding that provides 30 million Americans with $600 a week and extra federal unemployment benefits has now expired. And people across the country who depend on federal aid during this time of crisis are now facing evictions. With an influx of people filing for unemployment due to budget cuts and temporary layoffs, the unemployment benefits process has been slowed incredibly. The previous federal moratorium on evictions, which protected about a third of rental households in the country, lapsed on July 24th. And as progress with another federal relief bill is halted at the current moment, we can expect to see a major displacement of people as evictions begin to roll out. So my thoughts on this is that another very sad COVID-19 story. Uh, And I think that this is really the beginning. The COVID-19 eviction defense projects estimates that 19 to 23 million renters will be at risk of eviction by September 30th. And in this time of crisis, many people need these federal assistance initiatives to maintain a stable income as unemployment is on the rise. It is extremely unfortunate to see so many relief bills and federal funding assistance be stalled right now as many of the government's financial priorities that are targeted toward the COVID-19 response are looking specifically at vaccine development, which is important, of course. But funding that was previously designated for such relief and assistance programs are being reallocated uh, directly toward some of these COVID-19-related efforts. And I really think it's, it is incredibly important that we make sure that people stay in their homes uh, and that we continue to pay to pay people to stay home until we can get a vaccine, until we can bring uh, herd immunity uh, to 70%. And just as a reminder, maybe 10% of the total U.S. population, maybe 15% has been already infected with COVID-19. And if we're trying to get to 70% percent of herd immunity, we have a long way to go. And really, we need to be able to figure out ways to keep people at home safely and to make sure they're paid to stay at home so that they have food, 
on the table, they can continue to pay their bills, uh, and they can continue uh, to live uh, dignified lives. Early concerns for development of a potential vaccine. Now, as several vaccine trials shift into their final testing phases, many are concerned about what may be sacrificed in order to produce a vaccine so quickly. One main area of concern is in regards to who is included in the trials. In consideration of past mistakes and injustices with vaccine developments and lots of other medical issues, uh, the history of medicine is replete with that. People worry that if fast development of a coronavirus vaccine will potentially exclude people of color from trials, again, potentially skewing results with, of course, bias. Now, historically, people of color have been underrepresented in research trials such as these. This is largely due to very well-deserved mistrust of the healthcare system by communities of color. Now, to ensure a research trial is both equitable and representative of a population. Now, that takes a lot of time, usually years. However, the nature of the pandemic has increased the eagerness to fast-track a vaccine and have it developed and distributed as soon as possible. Thus, corners are going to be cut to make that happen. So, as development continues, new campaigns and advertisements are being released in order to broaden the awareness of the vaccine trials with the hopes of gaining more ideal representation of communities of color. So now the development of ta-da, HIV treatments. Yay. All right. HIV treatments. I'm an HIV doctor. So the development of HIV treatments offers strategies to reach these underrepresented communities and researchers today are taking advantage of these. The Washington Post noted that small details will be critical. Brochures or ads for clinical trials must be available in multiple languages. They must depict communities of, of color, those individuals that are minorities, but they need to do it in a way that they're not test subjects. It is crucial that marginalized communities receive tangible outreach to gain awareness of the importance of their representation in these trials. So my thoughts here is that the coronavirus pandemic has brought to light several several racial inequalities and injustices that are plaguing this country currently and have been so for the past 400 years. Now, as research teams proceed with developing vaccines with great urgency, it is important that the trials depict an accurate representation of the population. And for results to be as significant as possible, potential biases need to be as limited as possible. Now, this means carefully selecting for volunteers for trials, which include people of marginalized communities, especially those that are arguably the population of people that coronaviruses has hit the hardest. COVID-19 and impacts on the brain. So far in our understanding of this novel coronavirus, we heard about its impacts on the hearts and lungs and, of course, the respiratory uh, system. But new studies and reports are indicating that another organ may be impacted as well, and that's the brain. And, of course, we've known that because we've been hearing about the loss of, of uh, the sense of smell and taste. But in April, a report concluded that more than one-third of uh, COVID-19 cases that were studied 
were, were uh, in patients who also experienced these neurological complications that ranged anywhere, again, from loss of smell uh, relating to the olfactory system in the brain, that, that is the system that helps you smell, as well as uh, severe strokes. And we've talked about that repeatedly here on Noise Filter because this is what personally scares Dr. Griggs and I uh, uh, are the potential strokes uh, that could happen uh, to folks our age, and Dr. Griggs and I are in our, in our 50s. Now, other reports have indicated that delirium, brain inflammation, and nerve damage can also result from COVID-19. And in early July of this year, the University College of London published a study which reported that 10 out of 43 COVID-19 patients had temporary brain dysfunction and delirium, 12 had brain inflammation, and 8 had strokes and some nerve damage. Now, while data continues to arise supporting direct links between COVID-19 and neurological symptoms, the why and the how are still unanswered, uh, and there are still unknown aspects related to it. Now, one hypothesis for the casual link is in regards to the so-called ACE2 enzyme that's located in lungs, kidneys, muscles, blood vessels, nose, and mouth. Now, the ACE2 enzyme facilitates our ability to smell and taste. Now, the hypothesis is is that the virus prevents the ACE2 enzymes from binding and functioning normally. The ACE2 enzyme also works to maintain blood pressure, protecting the heart and the brain from damage. If the virus does, in fact, affect ACE2 function, it could explain why we see heart, lung, and now brain damage from COVID-19 patients. Okay, so here are my thoughts on this. This research is very, very early stages, and it, there's no no way can we have complete conclusions uh, at this point. However, it is important uh, to note that research continues as every small answer leads us to a better understanding in the large-scale complexity that is this novel coronavirus. Now, with COVID-19, there is so much we don't know. It is a novel virus, means that this is new, and we're all trying to learn about it. And remember, there's something like a thousand new uh, 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 journal articles and research articles that come out every day of COVID-19. Okay, so now as time goes on, it is important that we all take part in doing what we can to better protect ourselves and to move beyond COVID-19. That includes, and you already know what I'm about to say, wear a mask wherever you go out. And while researchers do their part in searching for answers and treatments, we have to do our part in limiting the transmission as much as possible. And as Doc Griggs would say, wear your mask and keep your bugs to yourself. I didn't quite do it as well as he says it. We miss you, Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.